The following is presented by Lanier Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems, and Year One Classic Muscle Car Restoration Parts. Hit it! Hang on, you're now part of the fastest podcast on the planet, Bud's Garage Overdrive. Produced in the studios of Jacobs Media, located in beautiful downtown Gainesville, Georgia. On today's show, lessons from Smokey Bear, more cars worth waiting for, round pegs and square holes, and part two of our interview with Lauren Fix, the car coach. All that and a whole bunch more informative automotive buffoonery with Bud and Tim. Let's kick it in overdrive. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, resident Carnot, and Tim DePasquale, a poster to the stars. Tim, how you doing, man? I'm good, Bud. How are you today? What were you doing this weekend? Mowing. Mowing. <laughs> mowing. I mow. Here we go again. I mow the <laughs> oh, pastures. All right. And, you know, we take care of the chickens and... Well, good. Yeah. Somebody needs to. Yeah, I know. I know, well, but, well, man, we got eggs. Well, good. Yeah. That's Well, <laughs> with, with the price of them, <laughs> yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. thing. Oh, yeah. Right. All right. I uh, was remiss last week Uh in wishing happy birthday Mm -hmm. to a national hero. Okay. And that would be 78-year-old Smokey Bear. Oh, right. Smokey. Yeah. He may not be as famous as... Well, he's he's more famous than Yogi. What do you think, Bill? I think Yogi is more more, uh, well-known. Do you think so? I do, because they haven't used Smokey much in the last no, they really several haven't. decades. No, and Yogi, I, see, I see the road signs, but you're right. You Yogi's still getting new episodes on uh, Max. Really? Oh, wow. Yo, boo-boo boy, That's let's more. go get a picnic basket. Max has a show called... Don't uh, upset the cartoon characters now. <laughs> no, Max has a show currently called Jellystone. Oh, oh really? And uh, Huckleberry Hound's the mayor. And I think Yogi's a doctor, which is well, kind of scary. Well, is uh, El Cabong on there? He is, yeah. Uh, Cabong! It's funny. Oh, he's only on his El Cabong. He's how, not on his Quick Draw McGraw. How do we do this? It started out, we started out so, <laughs> yeah, so I know. in focus. Now we're... Because now you we're, brought in the trivia guy. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, I'm going to hand it over to Tim, the... What would we call Tim? We would call Tim the... Mower. Uh, no, well, the mower, but he's, you know, he's... Goat whisperer. Ameri- the Americana guy, the goat whisperer. Let's not even go there. Uh, <laughs> how did it all start for Smokey, Tim? Well, oh, my goodness. Actually, it was Bambi that, that got the whole deal Well, going, yeah, but well, that, the origins can be traced back to World War II. A few months after the attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941, Japanese ships... I never knew this. Japanese ships fired shells on an oil field near Los Pedros National Forest. Fortunately, there was no damage. Um, well, the damage was minimal, and a wildfire didn't break out, but the incident did spark fears that with all of the experienced firefighters deployed in the war effort, that it would be very easy for uh, a national tragedy to occur at the hands of the enemy. Of the enemy, yeah. Well, so and and I, should, I should explain, I know we're going to talk about Bambi and Smokey the Bear and a lot of different things. This is all going somewhere, okay? We'll, 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 we'll tie it all together later in the show. I can't wait to I see. I promise you. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so they came up with Smokey the Bear. Well, yeah. because when the Bambi movie came out, mm-hmm. you know, later on, when the right. Bambi movie came out, it was w- some of the trials and tribulations going on with Bambi and her group were caused by a firefighter, a, right. a, a forest, f- forest fire, fire. Forest that fire. was started by a careless human. And so she became the spokesperson for the National Forest Service. 
uh, for a couple of years. Bambi was a he. A he? Yeah. Bambi was a he? You're yeah. thinking of a different Bambi. <laughs> One that works the red light district. Oh, God. Oh, no. That's, you know, the... the, the Bambi the, was a he, really? The, yeah, the, the giveaway is the he. horns at the end of the movie, bud. Right, but when he's fighting with the other deer... I got to, I got to admit, I, had, I don't know if I've ever watched Bambi. I just assumed... Well, see, having a daughter, I watched Bambi uh, 14 times a day for three or four years. That's your heart. So I could... All right. Yeah. Anyway. What I don't understand with Smokey the Bear is what female sheep have to do with putting out forest fires. I don't know either. I don't he, he always said, only you can prevent forest fires. Oh, oh. oh my gosh. Oh, you got to stop. We're, we're going to get so far <laughs> off the edge here. All right, so the first Smokey PSA featured the original catchphrase, uh, care will prevent nine out of ten forest fires. But then that changed to only you can prevent forest fires. Mm-hmm. And now it was changed in 2001. Only you can prevent wildfires. All right. To distinguish between purposely set fires by the firefighters to mm-hmm. get the scrub brush off the, the forest floor right. to, you know, uh, intentionally set control burns uh, a set of, instead of unwanted fires. So the most recent catchphrase is two decades old. Is it really? Okay. Well, yeah. All right. Many artists have illustrated Smokey the Bear, but the most influential was Rudy Wendelin. Uh, he was Smokey's full-time artist from 44 to 73. He was responsible for adding Smokey's name to his hat, his belt buckle, and giving him his blue jeans, shovel, and he, he also made him less fearless-looking by uh, shortening his nose a little bit. Uh-huh. Not Wendland. The, well, the as soon as I'd see a bear with blue jeans on, I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd figure he wasn't mean. All you know. right. So there's and, no truth of what I read to the Inquirer that Smokey became cocaine bear? No. Okay, that's no, good to no. know. Uh, the public uh, really fell in love with Smokey when he gained a real-life counterpart, a black bear cub who survived a wildfire in the Capitan Mountains in uh, New Mexico. Hmm. And he was rescued by a firefighter. And uh, the cub received so much mail when he went to the zoo, the National Zoo in Washington, D.C., that the Postal Service assigned Smokey his own zip code. An honor bestowed to only one under one other individual. That would be the president of the United States. Oh, I thought Santa Claus had his. No, there's own. a there's a that's, million that's different. A, that's a whole different. That's thing. one of our trivia questions, and everybody thinks it's Santa Claus and it's Smokey Bear. Oh, it's it Smokey the wow. Bear. Ah, Smokey Bear. It's not Smokey, Smokey the Bear. bear. It's Smokey, Smokey bear. bear. Yeah, correct. And he died. This this real bear, but died in '76. Uh, newspapers across the country. Uh, published so many articles and obituaries that the National Zoo archives had to devote four times the regular amount of storage space to hold them. He was buried near, near where he was found in Smoky Bear Historical Park in Capitan, New Mexico. He survived by his wife Goldie and adopted son, Little Smoky. Little Smoky. Yeah. Do they have any little care bears? I have no idea. But in recent history, human activities have caused more than 89% of wildfires each year in the U.S. Wow. So only we can prevent wildfires. So yes. there is man-made climate change. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, let's not go to the climate oh, change. Let's, let's not go to <laughs> the climate change. Uh, that, that, that's a whole other thing. All right, do you want to give us in a nutshell, Bill, your, your article that you brought up? Uh, we got a couple minutes here. You want to roll with it? Yeah. I'll if we it. don't get it all done, we'll take it into the next segment. But, well, but an electric truck owner was quickly hit with the reality of owning and operating an EV soon after the purchase. We've talked here about the infrastructure not being ready for these electric vehicles that they mm-hmm. want to push on us. The vehicle, first of all, told them uh, they compelled them to install two chargers, one at work and one at home, for ten thousand dollars. 
To accommodate the charger, he had to upgrade his home's electric panel. That was another six grand. It only spent more than 130 grand plus tax. So, when I tell Tim to do his homework, you know, this guy, I don't know what was, what made this guy go out and buy something and not do a little more research. You know, for one thing, you can't just stick a charger on the wall in any house. Right, right. I, I don't know why people don't figure this out. Not long afterwards, he got into a minor accident, which required, quote, light assembly in the front bumper for help. This poor, hapless gentleman with his, uh, this is a pure 100% electric vehicle, by the way. We want to make that clear. Mm -hmm. Decides he's going to go to Chicago, 1,400 miles from his home. Which is in uh, Winnipeg, Canada. Yes. Hopefully he wasn't doing this in the wintertime because it just adds insult oh, to injury. Oh, man. <laughs> well, fast-charging stations, which only charge EVs up to 90%, by the way, cost mm -hmm. more than gas for the same mileage. Mm -hmm. The family's first stop was in Fargo, North Dakota. It took two hours and $56 to charge his vehicle from 10% to 90%. That charge got him another 215 miles. Oh, jeez. Albertville, Minnesota, the free charger was faulty, and the phone number on the charging station was of no help. So they drove to Elk River, Minnesota. That charger was faulty as well. In Elk River? Elk River, yeah. Why would they have a faulty charger in Elk River um, <laughs> amongst the two that they probably have in the town? Maybe it wasn't waterproof. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I'm sorry. I interrupted. <laughs> so he wrote online, the sheer helplessness was mind-boggling. My kids and wife were really worried and stressed at this point. There were no other fast-charging stations within range of Elk River, and his vehicle only had 12 miles left. By now, it was late afternoon. Uh, they ultimately had the vehicle towed to a dealership in Elk River and rented a regular gas-powered vehicle to get to Chicago. They picked up their electric truck on the way back to Winnipeg. Bella wrote, uh, I was in the shop for, it was in the shop for six months. I can't take it to my lake cabin. I cannot take it off for off-grid camping. I cannot even take a road trip. I can only drive in city. It's the biggest scam of modern times. And mm -hmm. he tells uh, Fox they need to do more to provide consumers with the right information. Who needs to do more? He did. The government. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He says the, yeah. Government the government needs to do needs more. To do more. How because about they're so reliable with information. Yeah, I, yeah, that's true. You know, the best thing he could do would be to, since he spent all this money anyway, uh, get a generator that he could tow behind his electric vehicle and fill it with diesel fuel and just keep charging as he drives. Well, the, I mean, the, you're gone this the, far. The biggest thing he could have done was his homework. Oh, yeah. You know, you can't blame right. all of this on the vehicle manufacturers because they're going to build them. That's what they do. Right. And the government's going to, you know, deny that any of it's their fault or that they pushed any of it because that's what they do. It points and, out the fact that everyone is chasing these subsidy dollars that the government is throwing out there for people to purchase and for uh, manufacturers to build and for battery companies to make batteries. What yeah. jumped out at me, though, was just how bad our infrastructure is for these vehicles. It's, just, it it's not there yet. It's, it's, it's not, not there. there right? It's not going to be there. And I, I, I predict it won't be there in, in any form that will make sense for a decade. Mm -hmm. so I agree. Anybody that's buying an, an all-electric vehicle right now you are the, you are the guinea pigs. The pig. guinea pigs, the yeah. early adapters. The uh, early adapters. That, that is stay close to right. a Bucky's. I finally went to Bucky's on my trip to Indiana. Oh yeah, how was that? I, it was it was a madhouse when I went going up, 
in Kentucky on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty cool. The one in Calhoun on Monday was a lot less crowded. So did you have a barbecue sandwich? I did. They were awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very good. Very you know, good. I, a friend of mine posted something on Facebook. He posted all the job listings at Bucky's. Yeah. Manager can make over 200 grand. I saw that. Wow. Bucky's, yeah. Hey, yeah. I gotta go. Very See much. you. <laughs> Get back. But they had about. But what a what is what a madhouse it is. Oh yeah, they had about ten charging stations though. Oh, I was did impressed they? About, okay. at the number of charging stations they mm-hmm. had at both Bucky's. But no tractor trailers, none. None, right? Not allowed. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, they don't want truckers in there. Huh? I wonder if it's because of the re- the you know the real estate area that well, the trucks take knows, up. Who knows? Who knows? Right. Who knows? Okay, Tim, let me ask you a quick question about the guys who work for you. How many of them uh, have kids? Uh, Don't even look at me. I mean, how many of them have to have child care for their kids, have young kids? Yeah, all of them. All of them, really? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. uh, child care is a big part of our society now because yeah, uh, both folks got to work. They have got a program at Lanier Technical College, the Early Childhood Care and Education Program. It's a, whole, it's a sequence of courses designed to provide students for careers in child care um, programs. Wow, that's a great idea. Well, it is because you're, they're, they're way more than babysitting programs mm-hmm. anymore. You know, and the, I've seen the program. When I was working at the Oakwood campus, the program was actually located uh, just down the hall from us. We had criminal justice on one side and child care on the other side. There's probably a story in that. But you can get an early childhood care and education degree. You can get diploma level, early childhood care and education diploma, and a certificate level in child development specialist certificate, early childhood care and education basics, you know, learning your ABCs and things like that. That's what they need to be doing, you know, in child care when they get to the the right age of that. And infant and toddler child care specialist. Mm -hmm. So it covers the gamut of things. It's offered at three of the campuses of Lanier Technical College, and it's a... It's a great way to get an education for something that is really relevant to everyday life oh, for yeah. so many folks. Right. And, uh, you know, the better trained the people are at the daycare center, the better you feel about all of it. Mm-hmm. So check out that and all of the programs in public safety and professional services and much, much more at Lanier Technical College, LanierTech.edu. Well, remember we were doing a list of three favorite cars from Motor Trend Magazine? Yeah. You did yours last week. Mm. I've come up with three of mine this week. I bet they're all electric. Yeah. Well, no, one of them isn't. One of them what? is not actually electric. First one is a 2025 Ford plug-in. Bronco, plug-in hybrid. Okay. Listen to me, folks. Plug-in hybrid. Remember those words mm-hmm. when you're shopping for your next vehicle. Right. Okay? No range anxiety. Right. Plug-in hybrid. When you run out of electricity, you can continue, continue to drive on, on gasoline. Yes. And you will be able to charge it somehow, some way, with whatever kind of goofy charger system they come up with right. next because the plugs mm-hmm. are adaptable. Okay. okay. So the only, my only gripe with this vehicle is it's four-door only. Mm-hmm. So you can't get a two-door Bronco Yeah. in a plug-in hybrid. But, you know, it's four-wheel drive. And a friend of mine just bought a new Bronco two-door. Yeah. Full size, yeah, and I was very impressed with the ride. Oh yeah, it's like a normal car. Now the price is fifty-five to seventy-five grand on the plug-in hybrid. Well, that's but, you know the Broncos aren't cheap to begin with. No. So if you want a Bronco, that's what they cost. Now here's something that caught my attention: mm-hmm. another plug-in hybrid. Okay, the Ram Dakota truck. Oh, it's kind of it's kind of midway between the the Ranger and the Maverick. 
when I when I saw the the photo of this truck, you know what it looks like to me? It looks like the uh, the Toyota truck, the mm -hmm. uh, pickup truck they have. What do we call it? The Tacoma? No, no, no. The the is that my th the Honda. I'm sorry, the Honda. Oh, the Ridgeline. Yeah, the Ridgeline. Mm -hmm. the Honda okay. Ridgeline. It's kind of that size. I see. Okay. But here's the thing that really grabbed my attention. Thirty grand. Okay. For plug-in hybrid. Now, that's not going to be the high-end model. And that, that's another thing people need to realize. Most of the, the EV stuff that you're going to see coming down the line, it, the first introduction is going to be of the high-end stuff. Oh, sure. Because they're looking for the high-end buyer mm -hmm. who has a high-end house right. in a high-end community where you can have a charger in your house. And, you know, it all makes sense for them. Yeah. But uh, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Then the coolest one, I think for a sporty kind of guy that I am sometimes, is the uh, Hyundai Envision 74. It is just a mean, wicked, nasty-looking oh, yeah. sports car. Looks kind of racy. Hydrogen-powered. Wow. It's got a hydrogen fuel cell in it, so it's electric, but it's using hydrogen, hydrogen fuel cell. Yeah. So, th different technologies, mm -hmm. but you need to be looking that direction uh, if you're going to make a purchase in the next... I, I don't know, in the next uh, three to four years. Yeah. Plug-in hybrid, maybe hydrogen if they get it sorted out. Or yeah, I bet there's going to be a lot of people uh, wishing that they had started with the hydrogen first and then moved on to the batteries once they had a better battery and not a liquid, you know, a, more of a solid-state type battery that they're claiming will be the holy grail of battery power. I don't have any hesitation with the platforms that they're building. Mm -hmm. They're going to be powerful. They're going to be less maintenance. Yeah. They're going to be heavy. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to figure out what to do with what's left over after the vehicle's done. Right. You know, because most of the, the dealers now, most of the manufacturers, I mean, have an eight-year eight, eight limit on the battery. Mm -hmm. It's warranted for eight years, so I see a lot of people... You know, trading at seven years. Sure. Uh, that's going to affect things. Uh, what do replacement batteries cost? We don't even know yet because we're not eight years down the line. Right. So we're going to have to take all of that into consideration and, and figure out where we're going with it. So, um, uh, Exciting news for us engine guys. Now, you don't, mean don't, gasoline engine? Gasoline wow. engines do not do not glaze over on me on this. Okay, okay I'm not. I'm, I'm wide open. You're, you're familiar with the rotary engine. Oh, yeah. Right, right. The, biggest problem they had with the rotary engine was never the engine braking. Mm -hmm. What was the problem with rotary engines? I don't know. From your memory. Well, they I... couldn't get the rotors to seal properly okay. when they first came out. Uh -huh. And so they would, they would burn oil like crazy. Mm -hmm. And then once the tip seals got screwed up, then the uh, rotors would start flopping around and it would beat the, the chambers up. Okay. What, what we would normally call a cylinder is kind of like a uh, elliptical type Okay. Chamber, yeah, and it's it. not easy to fix. No. Okay, JB Weld is not going to take care of it. No. Anyway, they've gotten all that stuff straightened out. So this guy that races boats, mm -hmm. he Tyson Garvin of Apex Engineering and Design, he started working on. Now, just use your imagination. Okay. We're going to take a small, a big block Chevy. Mm-hmm. It's sitting right here on the bench, big block Chevy. Okay. All right, and it's in the shape of a V. Yeah. So you have a cylinder head on one side, cylinder head on the other side, and then the mm -hmm. center is what we used to call, or what we call the valley. Okay. You know, where the rods and stuff are right. attached to the crank and moving around. What if you hollowed all that out, mm -hmm. then ran, you know, ran a rotor 
Inside of it. Inside of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not just you. one rotor. No. Three rotors. Three rotors. In each space. So uh-huh. one sil- one one whole bank of the engine would be three rotors. Mm-hmm. One crankshaft. Okay. Three rotors. All right. On the other side would be one crankshaft, three rotors. Down in the valley would be one crankshaft and three rotors. How do you think this guy dreamed this up? I don't know, but it mounts in the same place as a big block Chevy. It has a big block Chevy bolt pattern, so you can bolt it up to its transmission, wow. et cetera, et cetera. It makes 800, it makes 800 foot-pounds of torque, 1,400 horsepower, naturally aspirated, and it'll rev to 10,000 RPMs. That's unbelievable. you got to see it on the YouTube uh, videos okay. where it's on the dyno. But I thought, what a clean design. You know how many moving parts you have? No. Well, you have... A lot. No, you've got, you've got uh, what I say, 12. You've got... You've got 12 rotors going around. Yeah. That's basically it. Okay. So there are well, no... So you're saying that There's that's... no valves. There's no valve springs. Uh-huh. Well, his theory is Mazda engines never broke anything. They just burned oil and, you mm-hmm. know, had, had issues with that particular part of the engine. They've gotten all that sorted out from science and, okay. and uh, space-age stuff that they can use to see uh-huh. these things. And, man, this, you, you, you can take... The configuration that he's built, you could take half the engine and make it a three-rotor engine if you wanted to. I see. Obviously, you got oiling ports and things like that. Right. But he's going to—he's this thing runs, and I just saw, man, that is so wow. cool. Doesn't say anything about fuel consumption. It's in a racing boat. Yeah, it's a mean? racing boat, right? But it'll run wide open for hours on end. Mm-hmm. So go to the uh, go to the YouTube channel. It's a guy named uh, Rob Dom, who's a uh, enthusiast on rotary engines and uh, this this guy that built the engine sent him one and then they took it apart on the youtube videos to see how it was put together and it's one of those why didn't i think of that yeah things because they've been doing this with the the wanko rotary engine you know just stacking more mm-hmm. more segments together and making you know three four five six rotor engines yeah and uh, so it's doable and uh when you see the engineering that he does and stuff, it's just it's just cool. So it makes you wonder. There's hope for his engine guys yet. Yeah, there is. Bill, have you ever heard of a small block Chevy? On this very program, many times. Many times, because a small block Chevy engine has been the mainstay of countless hot rodders. The size and simplicity are a big benefit of these engines. Concept One pulley systems makes these engines even easier to use. They do so by providing custom-built aluminum brackets, pulleys, hardware, and a range of AC compressors, power steering pumps, alternators, and water pumps. Then they arrange a serpentine belt configuration to fit the front of your engine and vehicle application. They'll match the components of your needs and give you a prize-winning outcome. From basic to full-on, they have a system just for you. So if you're going to put a small block Chevy in your car... Nobody to call but Concept One. From basic to full on, they have a pulley system for you. Check them out at C1PulleySystems.com or call them toll-free at 1-877-785-5397. You'll be talking to the founders of the company. Awesome. It is awesome. Last week on Bud's Garage Overdrive, we had car expert, Lauren Fix, mechanical engineer uh, in the Society of Automotive Engineers. She was on... uh, I think it was episode 11 uh, of our podcast, and we we did a show entirely about her career. But we were discussing with her last week about 
the things going on with the batteries and the EVs and the minds that are making these decisions as to all of us going to electric vehicles at some point in time, right. which makes no sense at all. No. And uh, she's not shy about discussing it further. So, War- Lauren, welcome back into Bud's Garage. Hey, Lauren. Drive. Well, th- th- hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Well, you know, we got into a lot of stuff the last time you were on. We talked about the batteries. We talked about the infrastructure. We talked about the environment. Where, where are we going with this stuff in as the future goes on? Because I get the same magazines and the same stuff you get on the Internet. And, you know, there's some great stuff coming down the road, but it's oh yeah, it, it's not for everybody. Um, why? Yeah. Well, there's a mixture of stuff coming yeah. out. I mean, yeah. believe it or not, Ford still got the dark horse Mustang. I drove that and posted the review on my website. Saw it's that, uh, yeah. 500 yeah. The horsepower. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice vehicle. Um, so let me ask you this. As you look into your, your crystal ball that you referenced... And uh, yeah. we look into the future here. We know that we know the good stuff about the electric vehicles. They're fast. They, you know, they're powerful. Uh, let's talk about some of the bad things besides the environment and things like that. Let's talk about weight and and service and that kind of stuff. Tell us where we're going to go with this uh, in in your crystal ball. In my crystal ball, well, I, I I'm always researching things, you know. And I found something interesting that electric vehicles. Uh, driving range is worse than advertised. And people are well aware of that. So that does impact a lot of people. The Society of Automotive Engineers did a study. So this is not like a bunch of just somebody getting paid. These are engineers. And they found that what manufacturers are declaring as the range is about 125 to 15% off, as much as 26% on Teslas. Sure. So it's easy to sell a good story, but you know what's the reality for you if you choose to get one? I mean, that's one interesting subject that I think people aren't thinking about also a lot of the broken electrical machines that are out there for charging. A lot of people are frustrated with the infrastructure because if you purchase an Electrify America charging station, right, you're you're a a shopping mall, you own a shopping mall, and you go, you know, we should probably uh, put in a charging station for our customers. You pay for that. Once you pay to put that in, you're responsible to charge for the electricity that's being used for it. But what's interesting is if there's a problem and it's broken, something's broken, that's on you. You can call Electrify America. They're going to go, I know what to tell you. You're going to have to, you know, call, you're going to have to call an electrician. So, I mean, these are the kind of things that people don't think about. And if you own that charging station that's on your property, it'll take you about 20 years to recoup the cost of that charging station only if electricity prices don't go up, which they are going up literally around the country. Not only that, you're taking up a, a tremendous amount of time and space. If you've got, let's say you've got a, a, a you know, a, a one of these little Seven Elevens or something like that, you only got so many mm-hmm. parking. You only yeah. got so many parking places, and you're going to spend a hundred grand per parking place, plus limit right. somebody from coming into the store and buying something uh, because there's a there's a car and they can't they can't find a place to park. Would it, right, so they just park. They park in front of the charging station, and then when you come with your electric car, there's no place to park. <laughs> well, I was, I was. I see that a lot. That seems to be more common. Than, oh yeah, absolutely. Now I've got a plug-in hybrid. Okay, I've got an Escape, and it mm-hmm. works for us. So, you know, it works works great for the things mm-hmm. we do. But we were traveling, uh, interestingly enough, up to Western New York, mm-hmm. and the hotel we were staying at had a charger. So I, I or a couple of them. Just one, no. Well, it had two. Yeah. So I, I plugged in. And, oh, two. And, okay. Yeah, it had two. Wow. Uh, but, it t- you know, I plugged into it. And it took, uh, I don't know, it takes maybe 
45 minutes to an hour or something like that to bring the battery back up in this car. And then I moved the car mm-hmm. because that's the polite thing to do. But I got to thinking. Not everybody does that. I know that. <laughs> Not everyone does that. But I got to thinking. Everybody in the hotel is paying for me to put energy in my car mm-hmm. because I, yep. there was no specific charge. I didn't have to. So how, how much of this is going to affect our economy uh, as, as we go down the road? Right. Everyone's paying for it. And it's interesting, when they put up cell phone towers, that was not the case. AT&T put up some towers, T-Mobile put up some towers, Verizon put up some towers. And then at some point they said, you know what, I don't want a tower next to your tower. Why don't we work an agreement where we all serve towers to cover the whole country? And that's kind of how it ended up. Not everybody's in on that. I mean, like consumer cellular and all that. But pretty much there's agreements with all these cell companies so that you can use your cell phone pretty much anywhere. Right. But not when it, and that's true with gas stations too. When they want a gas station, Exxon put in some, Mobile put in some, Cell put in Sinclair, all the different companies put in gas stations. But now when it comes to this, we are paying for it, whether you use it or not. And to give you an idea, only 6% of the cars on the road, 6% are electric. The rest are gas or diesel or some form of other thing. So that makes no sense that 94% of people are paying for something they're not using. And it's in your tax bill every single time you pay on anything, whether it's you buy something, you pay your taxes, However you pay them, it's going to cover this expense because this administration is mandating electric vehicles, which people don't want. Mm-hmm. How about road taxes? Well, that's another thing. Uh, there's two things on the roads I want to talk to you. One about road taxes to begin with. When you're looking at road taxes, um, usually that comes from gas money. Initially, sure. it came from gas money. You pump gas, yep. percentage of that from your state goes to the feds and the state, and then they would go and take that money and they, would, um, and they would use it to pay for roads and bridges. Well, that all changed. All that money now goes into a general fund in many states. Some states don't. So, again, that's a state-by-state state thing. But what's interesting is now they're in a bind because they don't have money coming in. Because everyone went to electric and got more fuel-efficient vehicles because this is a mandated. Forget, be careful what you wish for because they cut off their nose despite their face. So now they're going to charge by the mile for everybody. So whether you've got gas, you're going to pay for it. If you've got an electric car, you're going to pay by the mile. But also they're charging higher registration fees for electric vehicles because they're heavier and they do more damage to the roadway. So, again, here's another thing that people are talking about, that EVs cause twice the road damage of gasoline-powered vehicles, and that's from a new study. And they're finding that all these particles come off the tires. It does more damage to the roadway and damage to the tires. So now you've got a higher tire expense, and that's true anyhow if you've got an electric vehicle because it's heavier but also more road damage. So that means they're going to jack up our taxes even more. So someone's going to pay for it. Mm. Right. And because of their weight, they're going to have, there's going to be more crash damage when these things crash. Right. So. Yep, and that's the other part, the yeah. cost of replacing parts. I mean, you guys know what you're talking about with cars. And uh. When you have two propulsions, you've got gas and hybrid like you have. If one of them has an issue, it's much more expensive than replacing components and parts and repairing a gasoline-only car or an EV-only car. When you have the combination, it's more expensive. So you get two. You get two propulsions versus one. Well, so electric vehicles are more expensive, the components are more expensive, and crash damage is even more expensive. I did not realize this, but a friend of mine uh, was in a wreck with his Tesla. Actually, he wasn't in a wreck. He was standing still in a truck, backed up over to the front of his car, did not put the back oh. of the truck into the, the windshield, but it got the, it's got the A-pillars and all that. And they had to replace. Wow. They had to Hope re- he's okay. Oh, he's fine. But they had to replace the entire right side of the car because that's a 
that's one of those stamped pieces mm -hmm. that you can't cut and mm. weld and all that. You got to put the whole side of the car in. It was, you know, it looked like a ten thousand dollar damage on a regular car it was a thirty-five thousand dollars. Wow. On a Tesla yep. to fix it, and he couldn't take it anywhere except oh, to yep. a Tesla place. And with Tesla, yes, with Tesla, it's Tesla. With Rivian, it's Rivian. Yeah. So when you buy these basically tech company cars, that is part of the cost. So you just can't go down to Amazing. Sam's Collision Shop. <laughs> well, you could. You could. Yeah, you but could. he's going to have to get those parts from Tesla if they'll sell them to him. You have to be Tesla certified. Oh wow, crazy stuff. What? Um, oh yeah, there's a guy called Rick's Rebuild who's on YouTube. He takes Teslas that are in wrecks and he puts gasoline engines yeah, in them. And he tries yeah. to repair them or modify them. Boy, Tesla has tried everything to shut him down. He's really good. Well, I he mean, can, he's he a really smart guy and oh, yeah. puts his life on the line at risk because when you think about the electrical voltage that you're playing with, but it's not the voltage it kills, it's the amperage it kills. You're dealing with some pretty high, powerful stuff that would, could kill you. That's another thing. You know, we've, uh, we've talked about something simple. Well, it's not simple, but something that happens to electric vehicles is, is fires, you know? And uh, oh, yeah. we need to talk for just a minute about putting out an electrical fire as opposed to putting well, out a gasoline fire. Well, we're seeing that fire. right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's in the news, isn't it? Let me look at my notes for my news segments. Let's see. Are electrical vehicles causing cargo ships to catch fire? Ah. Did you not see the most recent one? Yeah. 3,000 vehicles on a ship. 500 of them were BMW and Mercedes EVs. We don't know about the other brands, but they were going from Germany to Egypt for delivery. Brand new cars. One of the electric cars caught fire, took the whole ship down. That happened again in February of 2022 with 4,000 vehicles coming to the U.S. with Porsches, Lamborghinis, right. uh, Audis, Bentleys, all these high-end cars, burned up. Everyone got off on both these ships, and no one died, thank God. That's... But in, at least in the last case, we don't know what this case is still burning, probably as we speak, but in the last case, when they finally got the fire out, it took over a month to get the fire out. Then they said, we're going to haul it to the port of Portugal, and we're going to, you know trying to figure where the fire came from. Conveniently, the ship capsized at the bottom of the ocean. Oh. I believe that's an environmental impact situation, but it's a great way to hide from the insurance company what really caused the fire. Mm -hmm. Wow. Not that it was intentional, but it was convenient. <laughs> uh, <laughs> take us back to the floods that we had in Florida and uh, cars burning oh, up homes and stuff I like that. I was there for all that. I knew yeah. you were, and we... So I was we had discussed uh, sealing a battery. Tell me how that happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, first off, there's no way to seal these batteries. When you have salt water coming in from the ocean, like in uh, Naples and Fort Myers and all, the, all up the coast and then across to the east coast, anytime there's flooding anywhere in this country and salt water or water gets into your battery case, you can't 100% seal it. It would be impossible. That would lead to destruction of the battery, which is destruction of the car. Even worse, the salt water caused a lot of mold. So my girlfriend had a regular Porsche. She lives in downtown Naples in an older home. And she was out of town, and her neighbor's like, forget your cars, they're gone. She had a little SUV, and she had her Porsche, which was her, she's a widow, so it was her husband's car. And it was just gone. Tore her heart out because there was nothing, when she opened the door, it was full of mold. Oh. And it was in a closed, it was closed up in a garage, but they had 18 feet of water. Okay, yeah, that's unusual, but any kind of water that's past the wheels 
is going to basically destroy these cars because on the bottom is where all the batteries are. They're not on the top. Yeah. You're sitting on them. And, and I went by a salvage yard because I was down in Naples and I was on my way to this paint store and I went down this back road and went, oh, hit the brakes, pulled into this lot. I had a brand new Tesla, a brand new Porsche and a bunch of other really high-end cars. And I go, what's the story? Because I love to ask, what's the story? He goes, oh, you don't want those cars. And he opened the door. Holy crap. It smelled evil. Like it was mold and mildew. He said, salt water has destroyed these cars. They're not even worth the metal because they're just trash. They're just going to be composted and put in salvage yards. I said, what about the batteries in these EVs? He goes, they're going to be in salvage yards. There's no recycle for these. Wow. And that is, again, back to, is this environmentally friendly? No, it is no. not. So when you go from cradle to grave, from all the rare earth minerals, what it takes to build these cars to the end, a gasoline-powered vehicle is more recyclable than that of an EV. People don't want to hear it, and they push back all the time, but it's the truth. Well, it's it's the dust to dust theory when you with a with a internal combustion engine car, you know it mm -hmm. it came from the earth. It's eventually going to go back to the earth, uh, but it's mm -hmm. it's not necessarily going to poison it on the way. Yeah, exactly. Well, they don't think about that because it's very short sighted. This whole green initiative is extremely short sighted. Okay, I'm going to open up a can of worms here, and I know it. Uh, go for it. How politically motivated is all of this stuff, in your opinion? Well, I, I try not to get involved in the political side. I'm, I'm allowed to have a political opinion like everybody. Sure. But to me, it feels like people, um, how do I put this? My friend put this best. He's, a, he's in the uh, government, he's a lobbyist. He said, donkey or elephant, they all eat from the same trough. Mm -hmm. so some eat more than others, mm. but they all eat from the same trough. So somebody's making money. You want to get reelected? You're going to push this green initiative, and we'll make sure that you've got some funding for your next election. You want to get this bill passed to help your neighborhood? We can do that, but you have to help me. That's why I'm not in politics, because I would never do that. They would hate me, because I'm a straight shooter, and I will not play these games. Uh, and I've been asked. I've been asked to run for Senate and House Representatives. Oh, nope, nope, nope. Not even interested. Not worth it. You know, the problem is once you're in, they own you, and I don't want to be owned by anybody. Well, you definitely are. So it is politically. It is. No, it's politically pushed no, for sure. You definitely. But the more I can enlighten people, the better. Well, we appreciate it because you definitely are a straight shooter. And, uh,. You know, oh, well, thanks. A lot of things that haven't been looked at here, a lot of moving parts, moving parts that people haven't even yep. considered. Um, I, something that crossed my mind was we were talking about infrastructure and that. Would it make sense to you, as you know, if you're an apartment dweller or, or you know, live in the city, your chances of charging an electric vehicle are pretty slim at, at charging it at home. Right. But when you're on right. the road... You can't drop a cable from the 10th floor. No, yeah. no. But when you're on the road, would it not make sense for our in infrastructure to look at putting the charging systems along the highways and the byways where, you know, that are major routes like 85 and 75, you know, down here, uh, places like right. that. Uh, it's kind of like... How I, many I, you mean? Well, I, well, I, equate, oh my God. I equate it to trucks, though. You know, we don't, right. have, we don't have diesel truck stops in the middle of the inner city, okay, because you don't. The trucks right. aren't going to be down there. Right. They, they travel mm -hmm. on the highways. If, if you're concerned about rains, chances are you're traveling on a trip. 
You know, you're going over right. 300 miles now. Why not start there with putting well, the charging stations? Well, you'll be able to go over 300. You'd, yeah. you'd need an infrastructure to charge yeah. for sure. But why not start there as far as putting up charging systems? Well, there, there are charging. There's one. Uh, they just redid all the New York State Thruway on uh, the 90, all of their little rest areas, and there is one to three charging stations depending upon what, tra- what station you stop at. But I will tell you, the problem is, so you plug in, assuming no one else is in those three chargers, and assuming those three chargers work, work. what are you going to do with your time? Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. well, you can go inside and go to Muddy Taco or Taco Light. That's a local, sorry, you know that, but yep. you can go to Taco Bell or you know, have a coffee, check your email, maybe make a couple phone calls. Okay, so that's at 30 minutes. Now what? What do you do for the next two and a half hours? Especially if you have to wait on someone. People don't want to wait that long. And these are not fast chargers. These are level two chargers. So that's like six to eight hours. All right, maybe you can get a little bit of a boost and go to the next location, but then you're going to stop every time. So a trip from Chicago to New Orleans, which somebody just did for the Chicago Sun-Times, they found that it took them twice as long to get there, and they spent more time charging than they did sleeping. Wow. That, that doesn't work for most people. I'm not doing that. Time is money. I don't care whether you're working or you're retired. Time is money. There's only so much daylight. There's only so many hours in a day. And whatever it is you're doing, even if it's nothing, that's a waste of time. Okay. So when my, my mother, like our parents used to yell at us, get away from the TV. It's a waste of time. Remember when we were kids? Yeah. They'd yell at yeah. us to stop watching TV. Go outside and play. Go do something. Remember that? Absolutely. I remember my mother yelling at me, stop watching cartoons in the morning. Go outside. But that, that's what you're doing. We're going backward. We're not going right. forward. And you don't want to be near a super, super fast charge. Like if there was something you could charge in 10 minutes, could you imagine the magnetic field off of that? Absolutely. You'd have to walk away. The heat off of that would be crazy. And that's why you don't see it. Doesn't mean I can't do it. You can't see it. You know, you don't want to do it. Well, sure. you have been eye-opening for sure. How can folks learn more about uh, what you do all over social media? Uh, car coach, Lauren Fix. Uh, you, uh, where do we yep. go? You can go to my website. You can go to my website, which is laurenfix.com, L-A-U-R-E-N-F-I-X.com. You can go to my sub stack under the same name, Car Coach Report, uh, or my YouTube channel, tons of videos. I put up all my news segments there because not everybody watches the same things, and we all have life. So I put up the news segments for those, whether it be the Weather Channel or other informative information to help you getting the best price on cars, whether reselling, what's new, first looks of new vehicles, and of course, car smarts in any form of social media, literally any form. I'm not even Tumblr still, is at Lauren Fick. Okay. Please, please come back and, uh, and visit with us and keep us up to date on all this stuff because you got your ear to the track. Yeah, anytime. Sure. All right. Lauren Fix, the car coach. Thanks for taking the time to be with us here at Bud's Garage Overdrive, the podcast. Well, Tim, it's car show and parade season. Mm -hmm. Lots of little touches you can uh, do under the hood of your car to make it look spectacular without spending a ton of money. Oh, sure. Yeah. You open the hood and what do you see? Well, what you want to see is chrome. (laughs) I mean, I'm a truck driver. Yeah, there you go. We like shiny stuff. Yeah. So I like to see some shiny valve covers and a shiny air cleaner and a fan shroud and maybe some of those original decals that make it look like that's the way this car was put together and the plastic reservoirs oh yeah you know that's that that's they they go bad and they're available Mm -hmm. you know they're available from the great folks at year one uh i'm I'm a stickler for hose clamps and things like that and the original hoses i like the original molded hoses and the 
and the one screw hose clamps on mm. a classic car. Okay. You know, it's not, it, you know, it depends on the car. If it's a resto mod, that's a different deal. But a classic sure. car, I like to see that kind of stuff on it. And they have all of that stuff available for General Motors, Ford, um, and uh, Chevrolet. Mm. I say General Motors, but Chevrolet, you know, Pontiac, Buick, all of that. Yeah. They've got all of that, and they are specialists. If you need help with something, they'll help you find what you need. Uh, you can go online, look at the catalog. You can online, and you can go to the email blast and find out what things are special. One of the things that comes to mind with me is a lot of folks have their original wheels and the center caps are wasted. Oh, right. And, and they're not something you can... You know, you can clean up and make look decent. Mm -hmm. You know, they got center caps and stuff that match the original wheels, so you can sure. you know, brighten it up on the outside and the inside. Check them out at yearone.com for all your muscle car restoration needs. Okay, I'll do that. All right. Take it away, Tim. Let's uh, take us to Ground Zero at Commerce last month. Oh. I, I didn't hear about this anywhere. Well, this happened on July the 14th, the uh, recycling center that's called Metro Site, owned by Scott Ledford. You know, they take uh, recyclables, uh, wood, plastic, metals. Which helps the planet. Which helps the planet. Yes. They are not authorized to process any hazardous waste. Well, one of their customers, who is always dropping off recyclables from packaging coming from Korea sure, yeah. and other places, is SK Battery. The battery plant located in Commerce that makes EV batteries for the Ford F-150 Lightning and the VW ID4. Well, <clears throat> on July the 14th, they dropped off a load of plastic recyclables, recyclables yeah, right. and mixed in there was a couple of EV batteries that ignited. Uh, oh. They caught fire. They burned the place to the ground. They destroyed the building. It took, now listen, the Banks County Fire Department, but is next door. Is next door. Yeah. <laughs> it a, took this them. This is what's crazy about it. It took four days and three million gallons of water to put this fire out. Back that up. How many million gallons of water? Three million gallons of water and four days to put this fire out. And once they had put the fire out and they started sorting through, they found 25 to 30 EV batteries in all of that uh the the firefighters they they had to keep fighting the blaze as soon as they would they would it would appear to be out and they'd turn the water off and it would reignite immediately well that's because of the uh, thermal runaway of the batteries and people need to understand when we say these ev batteries these were pouch batteries so these things look like a um what would you say a, a like a bag of frozen like a food. Bag. Yeah. yeah, just a bag, basically. Mm -hmm. And they, they, you know, they got thrown in with the regular waste, and they ain't regular waste once you, uh, you know, ignite them. So now these batteries have been sent off to South Carolina lab for testing, and as of this time, no official cause of the fire has been determined. Mm. Uh huh. Well, the owner said he regretted not banning all SK material, all material that they brought. Mm hmm. Uh, because they pledged to not send them any more batteries. Right. Well, s somebody who's loading up the trucks to, you know, recycle stuff is just tossing the stiff stuff mm -hmm. in there, apparently. And, uh, you know, the, the the fire danger of lithium batteries, uh, lithium-ion batteries is getting... Liquid. Liquid, yeah. Uh, you know, getting national attention now. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to take, take this story... As soon as we tell you what his lawsuit is for, 
he's asking for $26.5 million in damage. Right. And well, he his business, his business. He lost his business. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to rebuild the business and get back in the business again mm -hmm. and to do what he was trying to do to, to help the planet. Sure. It's going to take a lot of time and a lot of money. But, it uh, points up the fact that all of, all of these people involved, all of this EV battery, EV car, it's, it's companies chasing those government subsidy billions and billions and billions of dollars. So why are we having so many of these kind of fires in New York City? This takes us to another chapter oh, of the EV yeah. battery stuff. Right, 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 because... The EV batteries, at least, they have some oversight. In automobiles. In automobiles, yeah. right. On uh, bicycles and other electronic equipment that uses lithium-ion batteries, they can use the cheapest thing they want. And there was a case in New York City where a bicycle shop had uh, some EV batteries for their electric bicycles uh, charging and they started a fire and unfortunately there was an apartment above the uh, bicycle shop and four people lost their lives. And so New York City uh, Mayor Eric Adams signed a law that requires micro-mobility devices such as scooters and you know bicycles mm -hmm. and stuff like that sold in the city need to meet UL standards. But that's that's just a that's just a suggestion yeah. because you can buy out of the city right. and bring it into the city and that's what people are doing. A, a typical electric bike costs about eighteen to twenty-five hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. A good one, okay. One you would consider buying, but you yeah. can get them for six hundred dollars because that keeps them under the eight hundred dollar uh, tariff that mm -hmm. they would have to pay on the bicycles. And consequently, they're getting uh, crap batteries. Right, the cheapest battery, the cheapest thing they can put mm -hmm. in them that's made as, as cheaply as possible. Right. And then there are actually businesses that have set up in the city, and, and from, you know, from what they describe them as, they're like plywood cubicles you know, in the cities, mm -hmm. and you can take your bicycle batteries there and they'll charge them up and have them for you ready the next morning, and they're basically just using extension cords that are hanging down off the wall like, like vines. Oh, and, uh, Lord. That's, that's the thing that we're missing on this. When you go EV... You got to have restrictions on the batteries because if we don't. These batteries don't just burn. No, no, no. They explode. They're infernos you, instantly. Yeah. And uh, the three million gallons that we talked about to put out the battery fire in commerce. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the the water uh, the water usage in New York City right. trying to get these these fires out. Because as you're in there, you're in the middle of a fireworks display as you're trying to put the fire out. Sure. Every time one of these things goes off, so it's. Uh, it's, it's a tough deal for sure. I hate to I hate to see it. I hate to see people getting killed because of battery fires and and all those types of things. But all in the name of a green planet. Yeah, a green planet. Yeah. Square peg in a round hole. All right. We have talked about this a little bit, Tim, and uh, this is about the Tesla plugs. You know, we did an article a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, and we were talking about. Now you can. Many of the manufacturers are making a, or are going to have adapters to allow you to go to the supercharger. Mm -hmm. The Tesla supercharger. The Tesla supercharger. Right. That does but, not mean that you will be able to supercharge your vehicle because no. the vehicle is involved. Right. This ain't just the plug. No, because Tesla designed the charger to fit the car that they were building to charge the batteries that they were building and the charging stations 
fit the vehicle that you back in there and it has a short charging cord and it hooks right up where it's supposed to so right. everybody can park next to each other and sing kumbaya and mm-hmm. charge their cars fast charge them at the same time yes now enter these adapters uh-huh. you know that ford chevrolet and a bunch of other companies whoever else in, yeah has jumped into this is where we go back to being guinea pigs for this stuff as, mm-hmm. it, as it first comes out yes you can get the adapters or you're going to be able to get the adapters but right. And they're expecting, or at least the writer of this article is expecting Tesla to make all the changes to their charging stations and not and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, to put longer charging cords in or to reconfigure them. Tesla built everything for their cars. For their cars, right. So you've got some cars that have the charging port on the front fender, yeah. on the left front fender. Left front fender. So how the, the Tesla superchargers are designed so that you can back the car into the charging station and hook the short charging cord into the left quarter panel. So, the, the simplest thing I think, all right, is for the manufacturer that's got that charging port on the left front fender, put it on the right front fender. Mm-hmm. Okay? You don't have to redesign the car and run the wires down the, the length of the car and all that. Just flop the wire over to the, the right. right side fender and put right. it on the right side. But this... this uh, this particular author goes crazy about all this stuff. Well, has that ever made you crazy about gasoline cars? How some manufacturers put it on the right, right, some on the left. And I have seen people drive round and round the gas pumps trying to figure out how to get their All my cars have it on the left side, except the HHR. It's on Uh the right side. Right. Got to go around the pump the other direction. And I'm forever pulling up to the pump and thinking, I did it again. I did it again. Well, you know, you wind up taking two spaces at a Tesla charger if if you've got it configured this way. And I'll tell you what, after having ours, you know, our our, uh, hybrid for a year or so, I find that people that use charging stations at hotels and stuff like Mm -hmm. that are very inconsiderate. If I plug in to the charging station... I I will not plug in if there's if there's like four stations available and three of them are taken up with an electric vehicle. Uh-huh. You know, if nobody's there, I'll plug my vehicle in. Yeah. All right, and then I'll go down two hours later and move the vehicle because I got a gas engine. Mm-hmm. It's not an essential thing for me. Right. You know, I got the gas engine, but or I can buzz around town with electric if I'm not inconvenienced to anybody. Sure. But pe- I've seen people take the charging cords off these CCS systems. And just, you know, they're just laying on the ground for somebody else to run over. Oh. And, and that's, that's the kind of thing that's going to give us trouble right. know, in the future. You're going to have to have a monitor that smacks you with, mm-hmm. the, smacks you with the end of the charger cord across <laughs> your knuckles and says, don't, don't leave that thing laying on the ground. But that's, uh, that's, that's where we're going with this. But uh, it's a square peg in a round hole. Well, not only that, but they say that, uh, you know, all these vehicles are going to use the Tesla supercharger, but they can't all take advantage of it no, because they can't take le- the charge no. as fast as the Tesla can. Level 2 charging is the best you'll get with the adapter. It's still right. better than a sharp stick in the eye, but it's, you know, it's yeah. not as fast as what you might want. Sure. You're Let's the, standardize, people. You're the guinea pig. Well, you know, Elon Musk did standardize. He yeah. was the only guy building electric cars. Right. Who's he supposed to standardize for? Right. Teslas. And he did. So. Well, Tim, it's time for some thank yous. Okay. Thank you. Oh, no, no, no. We, <laughs> we need to thank Bill Wilson, DJ extraordinaire. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Welcome. 
And uh, Jacob's Media for the facilities. Oh, yeah. So we can have this premium sound that we mm -hmm. have every week. Uh, would like to thank Concept One Pulley Systems, Lanier Technical College, and Year One, the muscle car restoration folks, and Lauren Fix, the car coach. You know, this was the second part of the two-part interview that she did, and she was kind enough to take the time to do that with us. And uh, check her out at Lauren Fix, the car coach. Man, she is on fire. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, the stuff she was talking about, the, the EV stuff, it's, it's, so, it's so true, you know, what, mm -hmm. what's going on with this stuff. And it's, hey, we're all in the experiment together. Yes, we are. Next week's podcast is going to feature Sean Mathis. He is the co-founder and curator of Miles Through Time Museum here in Clarksville, Georgia. Uh, we've had him on the show before, the radio show, and you're going to enjoy uh, learning about how he started a museum with just his grandfather's car. So, with that in mind, if you want to check out Bud's Garage Radio Show on terrestrial radio, you can go to WDUN AM 550 and FM 102.9 out of Gainesville, Georgia. Or you can go to your favorite podcast site and check out Bud's Garage. Also, we have an app at the radio station that is Access WDUN where you can check out the particular week's podcast. When we just finish the show, then it gets uploaded for a week to Access WDUN. So you can help support our sponsors and, and uh, you know, the news people and all that are involved with the show. Or you can go to the podcast and catch it at a later date. And, uh, you know... Same place to check out this podcast, Bud's Garage Overdrive. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Remember to keep between the ditches, shiny side up. We'll see you next week right here on Bud's Garage Overdrive. <laughs>